Welcome to KJ and Shim Sham present the Queer Mo Cast. Mm. This is our second episode. Ah, we've taken the world by storm. Really, <laughs> truly, truly. Well, we hello, no KJ. <laughs> <laughs> hello. It's so lovely to see you. Oh, it's so good to see you. How I mean, have you been? Oh, it's I mean, been I've so been... <laughs> long. <laughs> Sorry, um, I'll edit that part out. It has been. It has not. Um, but we are. Um, we're we're currently recording this over Zoom, which is how many people are recording their podcasts, and it's it's actually really nice because I don't know if uh, some some people who listen to this might not know this, but uh, Shim Sham and I talk a lot over Marco Polo. It is one of the ways that we send videos back and forth to each other, which is reminiscent of the days when we used to call each other on the phone and talk for two and a half hours or couldn't get a hold of each other for three weeks. So went back and forth, leaving five to seven minute voicemails that we just had to listen to back and forth. Oh, I remember. We loved that. That is the heart of our relationship is five minute long voicemails (laughs) and then calling again because it cut us off. (laughs) And how dare it i know i (laughs) yeah oh good times oh but i am i'm actually i'm i'm overall i think i'm doing quite well um recently i have been reassessing some things and figuring out like what's really important what do i need in my life what do i what do i need to take into whatever the next chapter is and kind of kind of figuring out like What's, yeah, what's necessary and what are some things that I can leave behind? And, uh, like what's working necessary? Myself- hummus. Oh. What can you leave behind? Hummus. Dairy. Mm, <laughs> always. And we will have an entire episode about that. Um, but, uh, but yeah, like, like I said, I'm generally speaking, I'm feeling fairly good in my day to day life. I'm, I'm as good as we can be. As as the previous year came to a close, and as we're moving into this new year, I'm, um, I'm I'm feeling as good as possible, and also, just constantly assessing. <laughs> How about you? What's going on with you? Um. Well, you know, uh, my life has gone through many changes over 2021. Mm-hmm. I uh, changed jobs. Um. I've been depressed. I've been better, <laughs> and so. <laughs> Um, and so I think that's one reason why I wanted to do the podcast with you is because, uh, it's a nice way to process. It's a nice way to process and, um, and, you know, pretend that we're on a radio show. That's fun. I like that. I love it. Yeah, I love that. So today we want to talk about queer. (gasps) Queer. Queer. No, um, this... This is a very, I think, such a good topic to talk about because for some people, queer is old hat. It's a word we've been using for a long time. We've reclaimed it. We feel great. And then for others, they're still like, that's a bad word. Why are you saying that? Oh, my goodness. And so I think um, 
I think it's I think it's a I think it's just a great topic. So, uh, KJ, tell me, tell me, tell where when I don't know where should we start? I okay. I really really I love this as a jumping off point of discussion, and you and I do have quite a history with this word because I think we danced around owning it and reclaiming it in our really late high school into college years, we started I, at seeing how the word was being reclaimed in the general scope of the wor- world outside of our own lives. And then right around the time we both really got into our women's and gender studies courses in university and kind of learning more about the grander scheme of the world outside of our little Midwestern bubble, um, Queer really became a word that I was fascinated by because it was that word that it had been hurled at me as a slur. I had heard it at least a handful of times, um, in addition to some other less than savory words, uh, hurled at me about my own personal sense of self, um, which is a topic for a different, a different day. But I, I had a really difficult time claiming it for myself at first, and partially because of that stigma that it was a, a slur, it was something you were not supposed to say. But it also was because I spent a lot of time thinking to myself, I am not X, Y, or Z enough to use the word queer to, desi- to, to, to describe myself. And I was, I was there for a very long time. It's the reason it took me so long to come out as non-binary. I didn't come out as genderqueer, genderfluid, genderflux, still trying to decide which one I like best. Mm-hmm. And I may not ever decide which one I like best. Um, because that is the gender fluidity inside of me. <laughs> um, I can't even find a right label. I'm just kidding. There is no right label. You don't even have to find one if you don't want to. It's constantly living. It's a living document. But queer was a word that I think for the first time I really used to describe myself when I was at UW Lacrosse somewhere around 2012, 2013. And I used it in secret. I didn't want to tell anybody. <laughs> yeah. It was something I just said to myself in the mirror, like, I'm queer. How does that feel? I was already like pretending like I had a therapist in the room inside <laughs> my own head. And uh, and it it felt weird at first, but there was also like a ooh, like tingle, tingle down the spine. Like, I kind of <laughs> like that. Because one thing I knew very early on is when somebody called me a man, I felt so uncomfortable. And at first I was like, am I just not wanting to like own the fact that I am a cis man? And like, am, am I just doing that like gay male thing, which I'm not trying to like put put anybody on blast but like there was there was a a a certain amount of i'm gay so i can't be this i'm gay so i can't be that and i was like am i falling into that trap is that who i am i know because even though we definitely both have our own unique experiences and journeys and identities that word man has so much baggage and i i i have not i mean we lived a little bit on the east coast but um, my experience is the Midwest, so I don't know if it's like this all over the country, probably. Um, but there's just so much baggage and so much assumed with that label of man yeah. and male. How do you feel about like the man, male versus I owning a queer identity? So I've never had a problem 
anatomically identifying as male. Like, I was born with a penis. And when we talk about maleness, because <laughs> that sounds so weird to say that what you were born with genitalia-wise, but that's what we're talking about, right? We're talking about genitals. We're talking about and we're actually, we're talking about chromosomes, but we're also not because we don't even know our chromosomes. I was about we... to say where there is a whole wide world outside of even the binary of quote unquote sex organs because exactly. that's not true. <laughs> and I mean, we're talking about hair distribution. We're, we're talking about a lot of things when we say male. So anatomically male, I've never, um, I'm fine with that with my own body. I am. But gender male, I've always hated. I've always, and and I could, t- I would always get so heated because just growing up, always dividing into boys and girls. I hated it because I, I was always one of the gals. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I always had more girlfriends than guy friends. And, um, and, and just, I never identified with my male peers. Um, and so I, I growing and I, and I always want, I, I wanted to play with Barbies. I wanted to play with stuffed animal kitty cats that it's just, it's my experience. And so this gender, and even as a kid, when I didn't have the language for it, I understood a difference between sex and gender. I feel like a lot of queer people did a lot of us who, and I'll, I'll, I'll speak for myself specifically. I think back to the first time. Somebody told me not to do something because boys don't do that. And it being, I was gooped, completely bewildered. Like, I, what? Boys don't cross their legs? What does that mean? And boys talk like this or walk like this. And I really rebelled against that for a while, but it it did start to wear me down. By By the time I was in fifth or sixth grade, In addition to already feeling really uncomfortable about my weight because my mom, when I was nine years old-ish, asked me, aren't you embarrassed that your stomach hangs out over the waistband of your jeans? Mm -mm. Just a story for another time. But that was already carrying with me. And then I had all of this essentially like gender dysphoria that I didn't understand and was being put into the specific box to look and sound and act a certain way. And at, when then puberty hit and it was even more confusing because hair started growing in places and I was both like intrigued and like, like wanted it, but also secretly didn't want it and didn't know how to deal with that. So we just buried that as deep down as we possibly could, mm-hmm. you know, and because if there's one thing that Catholics know how to do, it's how to <laughs> repress something. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's so I did have a major problem with my body. I pretty much always have. It's only recently, I think, in the last three to four years that I've started to look at myself as a flesh vessel with consciousness. Romantic. And less, yeah, so, so, <laughs> so romantic. It's, but it's true. Oh, and that, I should clarify, yeah. too. When I said I was fine with my anatomy, the, the disliking our own bodies, like, long history with that but that's... right 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 right. i should have i should have been more clear about that too because and not saying that's yeah. your ex- i'm just saying my experience i never i did I, w- I was a kid that always was aware of being overweight and be that othering me for sure mm-hmm. but the whole um male anatomy piece for me that was what i was like yep that's true 
<laughs> yeah. Well, and, and it was like you said, being separated essentially by by perceived genitalia and that being how you identify and being like boys and girls. And I was just always so confused because I never had a lot of guy friends. You know, I never had a lot of friends who identified as boys. And again, at the time, I didn't have the language to say, well, I'm not a boy. And I definitely knew I wasn't a girl. You know, in terms of, again, the way that we categorize boys and girls on the playground and in classrooms, uh, I I knew I was, I didn't fit into either, but I definitely knew I fit into one more than the other. And it was the one I wasn't allowed to be in a lot of the I time. know that was always so heartbreaking growing up, being one of the girls and then not being like invited to an all girls slumber party or... And I know it sounds so silly, but as a kid, that was always so hurtful. It really was that you were always one of the girls until you weren't. And puberty ruined everything <laughs> because because our bodies changed. And I I remember often without having the language for it, feeling betrayed by my body. Like my body has done something that completely goes against how I feel. And then having other people comment on it like, well, you're a boy, so you should be acting like this. And I'm like, I am not. And go fuck yourself. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> and I remember I, I carried around a lot of anger yeah. deep down in high school and early college that I could not always put into words. And that was always so difficult because growing up as the gay kid <laughs> in my class because no one else was out other people have come out since then when did you come out i came out my junior year of high school oh. and i was out to a very small circle at first but then by the time my junior year ended and i moved into my senior year everybody pretty much knew mm-hmm. and i just wasn't i wasn't sa- i wasn't saying no i'm not anymore it was just a thing that people knew but that meant that i was basically one of the only out openly out queer people at Altoona High School when I attended. And that has since changed. And you came out not long after. Um, during, yeah, I during came my... out the summer before my senior year. Exactly. And um, and I, I think things have gotten better there. But growing up for us, having a queer identity meant aligning ourselves with certain things that made us, you know, that, that, that people that, that carried a lot of stigma. Yeah. And when we came out, we came out as gay, which mm-hmm. and and that's another thing that's kind of confusing about this identity thing is um, gay is a sexual orientation and then gender is something different. And exactly. Um, and it, it's it's not a straight line and it's it's fluid. It really is. And it's it, it's not as simple as people like to think it is. no. And I personally, I do not identify as gay anymore. Um, That is not how I describe myself. I say queer as a large umbrella term for everything that I feel about myself and how I feel about um, relationships with other people. Because right now I am in a committed, lovely relationship with my uh, partner of five years, Jason, oh, who many it. of you have met. I know, I'm sorry. <laughs> and Jay does identify as a cis man. However, um, sometimes when I say man, he also kind of balks at that. Because I think there is, there's so much baggage there. There is, but... and that's why I've always loved. So, um, 
But I also to- know. Oh, so sorry. I, I, I just wanted to, to, to finish that by saying, but I, I, I feel like if I weren't in a relationship right now, where I'm at in my life right now, I would be significantly more open to dating a wide variety of people that I think I wasn't comfortable exploring before I was willing to explore my own, my own gender identity. Yeah. And so that really changed a lot of things for me. And I think queer as an umbrella term has really helped that. Yeah. And so, yeah, what my experience with queer is when I was 18, I moved to Milwaukee and that was so wonderful in so many ways and also difficult in other ways. But um, that is where I got immersed with queer people with all different backgrounds. And I just immediately loved that term queer because it because I think the fact that it is an umbrella term it means you don't have to be for sure on how you identify, which is why I loved it, because we love labels. We do. And I think we partly love labels because we want to find like-minded people. So um, it's like, oh, what do you identify as? Is it this? Because if we're both the same, we can go get dinner together. Uh, <laughs> but... So I, I immediately loved queer. But I remember just having so many discussions with people about... Um, because older people still felt that uh, stigma with queer. And they still felt how that term for so long had been an insult, derogatory. Um, you know, similar to the word like fag or I don't know if we should call it the F word, whatever you want to call it. I don't want to bring that negativity into people's lives. So I, I get them having that experience. And obviously as a kid, I heard queer derogatorily, but I also just now love it because I feel like it just fully describes who I am. And I think by being a little bit vague, it that helps. Yes, I I think what I really love about it and the reason why it continues and has continued to be such an important word and identity for me is that it can mean a lot of different things and our identities are not fixed. And that is something that I think takes a little bit of time to get used to, especially being raised the way that we were, that you come out as gay and you're gay. Like that's who you are and you have and we had to spend so much time like validating ourselves to other people and legitimizing ourselves to other people. Cause we grew up during the marriage amendment in Wisconsin before uh, the defense of marriage act was even repealed. We came out during a time when our very existence and our right to love and our right to be who we were was still very much at the forefront of everyone's minds in a way that it still is in a lot of ways, but it has changed. Mm -hmm. It's not quite the same. And queer really felt like, something I could rally behind that made me feel like, okay, now I have something to describe myself that doesn't have to feel like it's that and it will never change because I don't like that. I don't like it when someone tries to put me in a box I don't fit into. And I spent a lot of time pretending like I was one thing to get by. I pretended like I didn't want to live a more authentic life as myself because it didn't feel safe to do so. And it wasn't safe to do so. And like I said, it's really only in the last couple of years that I've started to kind of defy the gender roles that were assigned to me and really start living the way that I want to live, which is some days 
I'm just going to put on a jeans and t-shirt and head out of the house with my hair up in a bun. And that's what we got. I'm not even going to draw on eyebrows because I don't have any naturally. <laughs> I shave them off. But I, and other days I'm like, I'm done up. I'm, I'm, I'm dressed to the nines and I want to wear like my most fancy dress and my most beautiful pair of high heel boots. And I need to feel for myself that I can do that. And it won't always feel safe. It doesn't always feel safe. I definitely have moments, sometimes daily, where I'm like, I don't know if I'm in a safe situation right now. But I know who I am. And that is the level of comfort I need to power through in those moments where it feels scary and unsafe. I know that I feel a certain way. And that's something that no one can actually take away from me. Yeah, one of the most liberating pieces of advice I had ever been given, which has really helped me, is to um, have a certain identity. All you have to do is identify that way. That's all you have to do. Which has been very liberating because there is a huge emphasis on how you present. And I think presentation is important. People who are visibly queer or trans or non-binary, that really does help. It helps that those people are out there because because it starts conversations. It allows us to be seen and I think furthers our cause. But there are days where I don't want to worry about how I'm presenting. Um, and as we were talking, I was also thinking about how when I first identified as gay, um, then you would run into the issues of a lot of gay men, it's very important for them to be men. And I never felt that. I never Ugh. felt like, but I'm still man. <laughs> and I'm not, Thank I don't want to. Thank you for bringing this up. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and I don't want it to me if, uh, because gender is important. Even though for me, deconstructing gender has been very important for me. It is important for others to feel like a man. And so I don't want to, um, make them feel like any less for that. But for me, it's very important to feel queer and to have that be my gender identity. And um, and so I never fit in with this. And also, um, gay male culture is very misogynistic sometimes. And I always hated that. Because even, um, even drag, which I love, I think drag is so fun, a lot of drag queens that I've met uh, in the local area very much so are like, this is when I'm femme and this is when I'm mask. And the, it's kind of like two separate worlds where I love throwing on a dress and heels and wearing a beard. And um, and not having to... Uh, the, the older I get, the more I want to merge my worlds. Because I think growing up my life felt very um, siloed. This is where I'm gay. This is where I'm not. This, Yeah, exactly. And so uh, now, um, and, and also being an alcoholic in recovery, um, I've had to g- learn like, oh, this is where I'm openly in recovery. And now that I'm in my 30s and exhausted. <laughs> <laughs> especially with COVID. It's like, I I just got to merge it all together. I'm always queer. I'm always in recovery. I'm always all these things. So. Yeah. 
I love that because I know for me, I was on a professional trajectory to be a professional performer and a professional educator. Those are the two paths I've always been on, sometimes at the same time, sometimes separately. And they both have very codified ideas of what makes a man, what makes a woman, and often there isn't an in-between at the at the highest tier professional level. That has changed. I do want to bring that up. That has changed quite a bit in the last five years. But when I first started on that journey, that had not changed that much. Men wore suits and ties or occasionally a pair of slacks and a sweater. And women looked a very specific way. But I will say that a lot of our female teachers, teachers that identified as women at the time, had a much wider range of clothing options that they could wear on any given day. And all most of the teachers that we had that identified as male, identified as men, had the two very distinct outfits and there was nothing in between. And that was never going to work for me, but I tried to fit into that world. I tried desperately to put myself in there. And now I'm to the point where I'm like, parents have occasionally found me on Instagram and I am very openly queer on my Instagram. There is no holds barred there anymore. Used to be very, very guarded about that. There was only certain things I would post. Now, I try not to swear too much. Like, you know, might have to edit this one a little tiny bit because I did swear a little bit. But I, you know, I try to reach a wide audience because I don't think that these messages are for adults only. I think this message is very much for teens and tweens and young, young adults that I teach every single day. And me living authentically as myself is sometimes the best way that I can reach a wider audience. My students see me living the way that I want to live and thriving and being happy. And it lets the ones who maybe don't identify the same way as I do see that, hey, maybe there's more to this world than I have been taught in my small circle. And it lets the students that maybe don't know or are questioning and don't understand or do know and haven't told anybody that it's okay. There is a future for you and it's going to be okay. And there are other people out there that want you to live and thrive and welcome you into this world. And I, some days that's really all I can do. I don't have any other, I have nothing else sometimes to offer the cause I feel like, and I don't want to diminish that, but there are some days that all I can do is just show up and be like, this is who I am, take it or leave it, and just not apologize for it anymore. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think we need to be talking about gender with children because gender has nothing to do with sex. And I mean um, sexual activity, not sexual anatomy. Um, because it's amazing how gender starts presenting in children. And, and daddy's this isn't... little porn star, just <laughs> fucking onesies. Dad, ladies, man, he's six months old, and I we're know. not even sure he's actually a he. Like, it's like, so that's... gross. And also, like, <sighs> me, I grew up in the pretty much same environment as my brother, but at four years old, I had a purse, wearing heels, and wanted a Barbie. And not to say that if a little boy wants a Barbie, that makes them. Um, queer. It doesn't. I think a little boy can want a Barbie for sure and a little girl can want to play with whatever they want. But it also might mean um, they're queer or they're trans or non-binary. And 
I'm just, I'm glad that people are starting to recognize that. And I, I just don't think we should be afraid to talk to children about gender because I just remember being a kid and uh, gender was so prescribed. I remember people being like, why do you want to do that? You're a boy. <laughs> and, it's, <laughs> and it's just, it's amazing how restrictive and suffocating that felt. And we will do an entire episode about how toxic masculinity wormed its way into our life at every turn. But all I want to say right now is that is part of the reason why a lot of the men in our lives, people who identify as men, really struggle, including the people who are under the gay umbrella, really mm-hmm. struggle to to release themselves from, yeah. yes, I do these things, but I am still a man. And it's like, well... Okay. You know, like, like there's, there's, there's a discussion there. There's, that's an entry point into a larger discussion that I'm not even trying to tell you you're wrong. I'm just wondering why you felt the need to say it in the first place. Right? Like, and I think we'll do a lot of talking about that in the future. And all I want to say is that I want everyone to release themselves from it. I agree. If people want to identify any way they want, they should, and they should be allowed to, as especially and pretty much only if it does not hinder upon anybody else's ability to live the life that they are currently living, right? That's kind of how freedom and liberty work. However, I do very much stand by the idea that gender in its current iteration is over and it should be over forever. Because our current prescriptions of gender are part of the reason we are trapped in this never-ending cycle of misery that we seem mm. to be trapped in, yeah. you know, in, in certain ways. I'm not saying the world is a complete dumpster fire, but, in, you know, like... But, but isn't it? And, and it all comes back to white colonialism, which is something that <laughs> oh, I just no. can... Uh, we don't have time for that right now. But it's, it is. I'm so happy we talked about this because this is one of what will become a very long through line of what it means to live the way that we live. And I am so excited to keep going on that journey because we, we have a lot to say. 30 minutes goes by real fast. (laughs) And um, yeah, I'm so final thoughts from you. Let's do it. Well, I just think we should bring up our sponsor, Brad. (laughs) (laughs) This podcast is brought to you by Brad. Whole wheat bread. Come on. Come on. Come on, white bread. Aren't you just cake? (laughs) (laughs) No. Um, I loved it. I perfect. I think uh, I'm just so glad we got to talk about this and and we'll continue to because I feel like these ideas are always evolving. And that's good. You know, I think so many people struggle with change, but we should embrace it because um, so a lot of these terms we have now, we didn't have as kids, you know, like social justice brings new terms into our lives and that's good. And if we're uneasy at times, that's okay. You know, sometimes people tell me their pronouns and, um, and, and you make a misstep and that's fine. You just, you apologize and then you use the right pronoun. You know what I mean? Even as someone who uses they, them pronouns, it's, um, it's new and we all have to learn it and that's okay. Yeah. 
And I, I, I will say, I will amend. It's new in the sense that it's now much more widely known. Yeah. The concept of gender non-binary, of gender queerness, has is always is is as old as the human race itself in a lot of ways. And I will get into that in the future when we talk about queer magic. But that's Ooh. for another time. Oh, Mama, thank you so much for talking about this with us today. Oh, this is you. wonderful. Thank you for coming. Uh, please continue to love one another, be kind to each other, and I don't know, just get out there. Oh. Do 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 whatever it is you gotta do. We're all just trying to get through this crazy thing called life. Oh, slancha. Slancha. <gasps> Cue outro music. <laughs> <laughs>